Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield, and we're on location at the Nebraska State Fair. So lots of things happening. No surprise, everybody's talking about those pro-farmer crop tour numbers. We're going to dive into that. We're going to look at how harvest is going. Look at the talk of South America. As uh, Ethan kind of said, he'd heard some talk about some expansion maybe going on with some of their crops there. We're going to take a look at that and a whole lot more on this week's episode. It may be small, but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines. And it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. And welcome back. As you can say, I've got the guys from Tradeoffs joining me today. Ethan Brulin is joining us and John Fawner. And of course, we're going to take a look at what's happening crop-wise. But to start out this Pro Farmer Crop Tour, John, I wish I'd been recording when Ethan shared with you the numbers from the report. Because yeah. I think your reaction is the same reaction I'm getting from, from farmers right here at, at the uh, State Fair. They're, they're kind of surprised maybe a little bit with those corn numbers. Yes, uh, so I've been working on some other things today and because we are starting harvest down here in the south and I had not heard yet and when Ethan said uh, the corn yield, well the soybeans were about the same, you know, as USDA 51.7, but the corn yield is the one where my reaction was a little bit uh, shocked, it was 168.1, uh, it's significantly below trend, um, you know, and that is confirming, you know, kind of what, you know, farmers and, you know, basically when you're looking at, you know, Twitter and, and different uh, social media, you know, saying that, you know, South Dakota, Nebraska, even some of Iowa, Illinois, you know, the crop definitely did not develop as they thought, or it is not developing as they thought. And, you know, this confirms it, which it's kind of interesting, you know, typically the pro farmer tour gets a little bit of a bad rap for going out and finding so much corn and, you know, people get frustrated, but, you know, obviously this is a definitely a bullish number if it comes to fruition on the corn. Um, yeah, that's uh, that was definitely uh, eye popping. So having said that, and, and Ethan, I'll have you jump in here as well. What can we expect? You guys are going to have the weekend to digest those corn numbers. What could we see come Monday? You know, I, I actually had a customer call here about 30 seconds, like, you know, before we started this and asked the same question. And, and nobody knows, but this could be a perfect example of the buy the rumor, sell the fact type of situation. You know, we get so much anticipation what the number should be, and everybody wants to be a part of that market. And then once it's gone, the even if it is bullish, it's digested instantly because of the trade that we've already seen this week. So Sunday night, you might you might see a sell off in the next week, and then we trend into a harvest low. You just don't know. Um, the bulls need fed, and I think we're going to need more news than this. And like John said, if it comes to fruition, definitely bullish long term. But harvest is around the corner, and that's a seasonal downtrend that I don't like to bet against. Um, one thing to note, too, I, I did a little bit of research on uh, USDA versus the pro farmer, and there there are some deviations there that come into place. The widest is 11 bushels, and they've gone both ways from that. 2000, 2005, they were 11 bushels short, and 2010, they were 11, 11 bushels high. And 17, with all the flooded acres, they were actually nine and a half bushels off. So take that number with a grain of salt. Um, we'll see how it takes us forward. Yep. And there we go. 51.7 on the soybeans. So really not that far off of what the USDA had. 
Yep. Right. And we good. had a dollar move this week in the positive direction on beans. So pay attention to that. And John, what are you, what are you thinking? Say, and we, we do keep hitting that 100 day moving average on the soybeans. Um, since July 29th, we've been up there one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. And we have gone through the 100 day moving average, but we've never closed above it. We've closed right on it. Today, you can call it, it's maybe a penny above it, but we've pretty much closed right on it. So we've got to break that resistance you know, to get a further move up into the 15s and maybe even, you know, maybe re retest the high there. But there's going to have to be a lot more bullish news on the bean side. I mean, corn would have to take off and really drag beans with it. I think at this point with the strength of the dollar, you know, some technical um, points on the on the chart here that are probably moving against beans. Um, but there's also, as, as I said, you know, the 100 day moving average, the short term moving averages, you know, have actually been moving up. So, you know, we're, we're definitely got some support now around 14. Um, but it's just having a hard time pushing that 1460 level. Do you expect any excitement at all come Sunday night into Monday because of the bean numbers? Well, corn, maybe. I mean, I, I could see, you know, the, the initial jubilation of that number, sending things off early. And then, like Ethan said, all of a sudden you wake up, you look at your phone at midnight and it's up limit. And in the morning, you it's down five, you know, on, on, you know what I mean? Like it's I've seen this, you know, roughly 16, 17 years of doing this, you know, there, there can be a lot of violence in that overnight trade on Sunday night in, in bull markets like this. And, um, and like Ethan said, a lot of this, you know, people have been thinking this. So this move from 575, where we, you know, kind of went down, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, up to here could have been partially digesting this shorter crop that, that they're showing here. So, um, you know, it's just, we'll see Monday, Tuesday. Well, before we switch gears and talk about South America, I wanted to ask you, John, you did hint at the beginning of the program that harvest is underway for you in, in your neck of the woods. How's it looking for those growers? So here in North Alabama, um, we were in a drought from early June to uh, pretty much the last week of July. So our corn is in extremely bad condition. You know, we're going to be sub 100 bushel the acre pretty much across North Alabama. Now we don't have a ton of acres, but that does get over into, you know, the Boot Hill of Missouri, where some really high production farm ground over there. Um, you know, the Mississippi Delta areas like that, just we were the whole southeast was dry for about seven or eight weeks, which, you know, we're pollinating down here um, pretty much from the beginning of June, depending on when you planted through about June 20th. So it was a, it was a bad time to be extremely hot and extremely dry. However, switch, so that so that harvest has started and it is to be expected, you know, it's pretty bad. But most of our beans down here are double crop beans planted after wheat. And if the guys got a stand, which most of them did, they look phenomenal. We've had rain about every week. Uh, we actually just need some sunlight, which we got a little bit here the last couple of days. And the double crop beans, which will be coming off in late October, have a real good chance of being a, a good crop for us. Same with cotton. Cotton looks great, too. Some good news then for producers there. Ethan, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, talk some beans. What's going on in South America? And did it come as a surprise that we could see some expansion? Not really. Um, you know, they're a lot different than the U.S. Their ability to expand acres is going to be long lasting for decades from here. Um, we really have taken a, most of the farmable acres and their farms, period. Um, but there is expectations that they're going to have a record South America or record soybean production this year. So that you go into long term and ask yourself, how's that going to impact our export market? Um, also, there is definite expectations that they're going to expand acres again uh, going into 2022 three. So the competition's there, the pressures, and we're no, we're not going to have the best bumper crop in some areas. How do you see that affecting the basis or the, maybe the export opportunity for U.S. beans? 
I think I've been bullish basis for a while. I don't think that's going to stop. Um, these end users are going to have to pay to get it out of the farmer's hands. You know, not only are they financially sitting a lot better than they have been the last, you know, five years, um, but they know uh, they're in the driver's seat and end users are going to have to pay. John, what are you thinking as you look at what's going on in South America and here in the States? Well, uh, I 100% agree with Ethan on bullish basis. Uh, crush margins are really good for the soybean processors. Uh, for the most part, you know, ethanol margins have been pretty decent. Um, and so there's really no reason uh, for demand on either side of those domestically here to uh, shut down, especially as, as fuel prices stay or oil prices, if you want to use that as a baseline, you know, between 95 and over 100, you know, ethanol is going to be continued, you know, they're going to grind and same with uh, soybeans, there's, there's good margin there. All right. So you were talking before we started the program today about some phytosanitary work that's being done and move forward. Kind of share with our, our viewers and listeners. Uh, so I was uh, talking to a guy that I, I used to work with. Um, he's pretty well in tune with the export market. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, when they think South America, it is, you know, they don't know what Brazil and Argentina. And so Brazil actually hasn't been able to export corn to China for phytosanitary. They've been trying to get those, um, I guess, qualifications or whatever you want to call them, you know, put into place. And they are about 99% done with that. So very soon, maybe not affect the market this year, but definitely by 2024, you'll be able to see Brazilian corn moving into China and some other markets that it doesn't normally move into or hasn't traditionally moved into. So, and again, with acre expansion, sure, that could take some acres away from soybeans, but it's probably just going to encourage, especially if we have a short crop and expensive corn, that's just going to encourage, um, you know, more acre expansion at faster rates. So as we look at kind of the, the overall big picture of, of, of the market trade and exports, when and if are we going to see China come back like they have been in the past? Well, so I get, um, you get the question. I think, I think, so I think they actually, they've been buying um, small amounts. It's there's probably some, trying to word this correctly, some flux or some delay in the reporting of, you know, when they actually get bought and they're they're destined for China, but there's been some delays there in that reporting process. Uh, so um, I think I think they've been in there uh, buying on these, you know, whenever we can retrace that bean market and they probably will continue. I know it doesn't look on paper yet, but I but I think there there's definitely been some some more trading um, going on than what we see right now. All right, Ethan, I want to know what's your thoughts on what's going on in this cattle market. Any pressure out there for our producers? Yeah, short term, your cash market's been slipping, uh, especially in, in comparison to the futures market, which is not to be unexpected. Um, our cash market or basis market has been, you know, record strong here for the last couple months. So to see those two things, you know, converge is not uncommon. Um, seasonally, our basis starts to flip negative here in the next, well, after Labor Day, actually, after your Labor Day demand. So any cattle that are right there close to finishing ready, it's probably worth taking this positive basis and moving on. And obviously, this feed price is getting higher and harder to get a hold of before harvest. Um, I did see, you know, after the cattle on feed last week, it was the second highest cattle on feed on record. Um, that front end supply continues to be forced off of this drought and the dry weather. So that's one thing to realize it can't last forever. Um, I know I saw our feed supply right now is by the end of the year is expected to be 150,000 heads smaller than normal. So All right. Well, Ethan and John, thank you. And thank you to Trade Us for joining us this week.
As we always want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup right here on the Rural Radio Network.